The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Jesus said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I have because of, and I live because of the Father, so whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like that which your ancestors ate, and they died. But the one who eats this bread will live forever. The Gospel of the Lord. The first three readings speak in one way or another about wisdom. And wisdom is something that is quite uncanny. Wisdom is not just knowledge. It doesn't emanate from the the intellect where you can sit down and work things out or calculate things to come out with a certain answer and figure out a certain problem or whatever the case may be. Wisdom is quite different. And that's why, from ancient times, it has always had a sort of a mystical character. In fact, uh, in the reading that we had earlier about wisdom, the, uh, the gender of that word is feminine, which is very interesting, and that's another story in itself. But I think it gives us uh, the beginning of understanding that we're dealing with something a little bit different. Wisdom arises from where other things arise. That is, things that come from our depth, from our deep nature. And there are things we can't put our finger on. For example, intuition, imagination. I recall once uh, viewing a panel of experts, uh, you know, a professional Uh, professional people who were discussing the subject of consciousness. And each had their own view of it. And it was quite interesting. One of the panelists, who was a philosopher, asked the question of the other panelists. But more specifically, to the uh, neuroscientist. And said, uh, where in the brain do we uh, locate Experiences like imagination and intuition and so on. 
And the neuroscientist was not able to answer the question. He couldn't pinpoint a particular place in the brain, which, by the way, neuroscientists have been able to pinpoint practically everything that we do consciously in the brain. But for some reason, uh, this has eluded neuroscience. And I think the reason is, is because it is not something that we can actually pin down. It is something, as I said, that wells up from our deep nature, from our unconscious, from our spirit, our soul. And so, we have all kinds of, of uh, disciplines uh, and all kinds of activities to try to foster wisdom. These are all the spiritual exercises or the exercises of reflection and meditation and so on. And that's why the church has always uh, promoted spiritual exercises. They don't in themselves create the wisdom. They don't in themselves create our unity with God. But they are, uh, they are the things that make it happen. They are the catalysts. And so uh, we want to seek wisdom. We want to seek the presence of God. We want to seek the important things of life. We don't want to always live on the surface of things. And so uh, I just ask you to consider this, that uh, we should really be pursuing true wisdom. And the only way that we can do it is look for some methodology that enables us to allow what is deep within us to arise. Now, the human ego is like a cap on a well. Wisdom is something, and the deeper things of life sort of flow up from a depth. It's just like a well where you have water, you know, in an aquifer some, somewhere under the earth, and then you drill down and you try to um, extract it, and it has to arise up. But uh, there are things that inhibit it. And one inhibitor is the human ego. It doesn't want to deal with things that are at that depth. The human ego wants to control things, wants to understand everything. It wants to be able to figure everything out and dictate what we ought to do. But wisdom is something that is beyond all of that. And of course, that is the big threat, really, to the human ego. So I just mentioned that as sort of a little sidebar, that there is resistance. There is resistance to wisdom. There is resistance to these things. There's even resistance to the presence of God, the divine, the mysterious. Now, in the gospel, we're confronted with a very strange expression of Jesus. Uh, a very graphic one about eating his flesh, drinking his blood. And you can see the reaction of the, uh, the uh, Jews around him. They, they were taken aback, as you would normally expect them to. How can this be? How can someone speak this way? It, it's so, so out of character. Well, there's a very interesting thing about this, and I think... Uh, 
when I first went in the seminary and we were really delving into theology and uh, biblical studies and so on, you began to see a lot of the, what's behind a lot of the, uh, the teachings of the church, what's behind the creation of the scriptures and so on. And I, I remember uh, writing to my brother and sister and saying, I didn't realize uh, what's really going on here? How much most people have no idea about what is in the scriptures, what they mean, and so on. And beginning to learn some of these things through the discipline of study, you begin to see, boy, I have a lot to know. And so uh, the, I would say that the Gospel of John falls into this category. It, it is very difficult for us just to pick it up and read it, you know, and understand what's going on. It really requires study. And really, the Gospel of John comes out of this same uh, mysterious uh, well uh, as mythologies and uh, visions and mystical experience and so on. It's obviously written later on. It was not one of the early Gospels. And it's a lot of reflection has gone into it. And so the teachings of Jesus, in a sense, become exalted, uh, very symbolic. And of course, John was the author of the book of Revelation. So obviously, we're dealing with uh, visionary experiences. This is a visionary teaching. And what gave me a little insight into this particular gospel about eating the flesh of Jesus and so on actually comes from one of the, uh, the apocryphal gospels, one of the Gnostic gospels, which were discovered only in 1945 in Egypt, one of which was the Gospel of Thomas. And near the end of the Gospel of Thomas, it's very interesting, he says something that relates directly to what we just read in the gospel. And it's this, he, he says, speaking of Jesus, he who drinks from my mouth, I will be he, and he will be me, which is very interesting because the Gnostic experience and the Gnostic writings were also very mystical and uh, not very easily understood, frankly. But it's interesting that that is exactly uh, what what Thomas was referring to, that we're dealing with something else here. We're dealing with appropriating Jesus Christ, becoming Jesus Christ. Now, the obvious, uh, the initial interpretation of this particular gospel is, of course, referring to the Eucharist, eating the bread and drinking the wine, and it's the body and blood of Christ, and so on. That's the obvious thing. but. Learning things in the mysterious world is like peeling an onion. That's one layer, and that's an obvious layer. Maybe I should have mentioned that right up front. But the deeper meaning of all of this is that Jesus is inviting us to do what he did, to live as he lived. And it's very interesting to say, uh, to know how Thomas was saying drinking from the mouth of Jesus. You may recall at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he was tempted. And, and the first temptation is, 
when Jesus was in the desert for 40 days and he was hungry, the tempter says, why don't you take one of these stones and make it into a loaf of bread? And you won't be hungry again. And he said, man does not live on bread alone, but of every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And so, the sayings of Jesus, the teaching of Jesus, uh, in his public ministry, it is those words out of his mouth, when we drink of those words, when we make them our own, then we take on Jesus Christ. And so I would just ask you to think about these things. Think about making your life, doing in your life what Jesus did in his life. My first uh, experience of meditation was in the seminary and there was a meditation book that was written many, many centuries ago called The Imitation of Christ by uh, Thomas Akempis. It's a very famous meditation book. And the whole idea of that book was to help people, be a catalyst to people to try to live as Jesus lived, try to become Jesus in the world as he was to his world. And so I invite you to be imitators of Jesus Christ. Follow the imitation of Jesus. Do what Jesus did. Act as he did. Be honorable as he was honorable. And if you do that, then you're in union with God completely, as he was in union with God, and he even mentions that in his gospel today. So let us all uh, continue in our journey of experience and learning here in the faith and be uh, very comforted by the fact that we all are helping each other on this journey, and we're all a part of each other's journey, and we will get there together. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and a journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace. We hope to greet you in person very soon.